Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Legere. Welcome to Home Office on the Huddle Podcast Network. I'll admit up front that I'm a big fan of my guest this week. I've been to Joel Plaskett's live shows in small cafes and restaurants. I went to a packed arena show when he was opening for the Tragically Hip as part of a nationwide tour. And I've seen him many times at the Imperial Theatre in St. John. He's also recorded albums that connected with me at different times in my life, whether it was Truthfully Truthfully from 2003, when I was building a new life in the Maritimes after moving back from Toronto, and it was inspiring to listen to someone like Joel, who knew how to write about why it was so great to be young here. Or when I was a father of young kids nearly 15 years later when Joel recorded Solidarity with his father Bill, also a musician. His most recent project is a four-album set called 44, He was supposed to go on tour to promote it when the pandemic hit last spring. Joel also runs a production studio in Dartmouth called New Scotland Yard, where he's worked with maritime musicians like Jimmy Rankin, David Miles, and Mo Kenny. In front of the store is the New Scotland Yard Emporium, a coffee shop and record store run in partnership with Taz Records. Joel is an entrepreneur. He's a Juno Award winner, an ECMA Award winner, and just a really interesting guy to talk to about music, family, the challenges of the pandemic, and life in the Maritimes. I hope you enjoy our chat. Hi, Joel. Mark, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm well. So where do I find you today? Oh, I'm in downtown Dartmouth. So uh, do do you live near near the studio? Yeah. In the cafe? Yeah. 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 Not too far. Yeah. I've been sort of, we've been over here in Dartmouth since 2002. How are things going in Halifax right now? I mean, I, I, I'm sorry to hear that, uh, you know, I mean, I know you're having trouble with case counts and, and business closures. How are things? Well, I mean, we're on lockdown and um, by and large, that hasn't changed a whole lot for me other than really not doing anything at the studio. Previous to this, we, I could, we could do some work there. And my engineer at the studio, Thomas and I, in the cafe and the record store were open. So there was activity, even though we were, it was cautious activity. Now we're on sort of like, the complete pause and uh, haven't really seen anybody other than my wife and son, uh, you know, uh, in any, you know, any proximity for whatever it is a couple of weeks now, but by and large, we're doing okay. I mean, the case counts are nerve wracking. They seem to be maybe the last few days heading somewhat in the right direction, but it's hard to tell. They're also doing less testing, like there's less tests. So, you know, you're always kind of really, what's the percentage? I don't know. I'm paying enough attention to it to know, that I still need to be careful, but uh, I'm trying not to be completely fixated on on a daily basis because it's it's kind of hard on the head. Right. And how old is your son? What's his name? He's 13. His name's Shannon. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's 13 now. Yeah. 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 So is so is he cooped up with you guys there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're we're in the homeschool land, uh, and uh, yeah, it's 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 all all good. You know, he's it's fun. Uh, you know, it's fun. Fun. There's there's you know there's the, 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 the sort of forced lockdown of everybody being together under one roof uh, has a nice, has some, has some good sides to it in the sense that you really get to spend more time together. And, and as, as sometimes <laughs> I have to go for long walks now and then, you know, to give everybody some space, but um, it is, it's good for, it's, there's also some really great things about it. Cause I mean, I've spent a lot of years traveling, right? This is the longest I've ever been off the road because I would always be gone somewhere every couple of weeks to do something somewhere. And so I've been home since April of last year and uh, March uh, even of last year. And so uh, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to get that quality time with the family where I was missing some, uh, some definitely some long stretches of, of, of my son growing up over the years. So. 
you know, I had a, a chat with uh, David Miles uh, a couple of months ago, and um, you know, I, I talked to him about what it was like to be to be suddenly grounded, and you know, and he was really excited and and uh, and got to spend more time with his you know his family and and uh, kind of enjoyed being forced off the road. Uh, how how is that for you? Yeah, I mean, I I, I listened to that interview that you did with David, and um, and it was great, and uh, yeah, and and I think. It's it's been fine. It's not been without out of its ups and downs. Like the first little, uh, 44 had just been released, my last record, right when the pandemic hit. It was we were gearing up for the release and the national tour of it, and that all got, you know, we kept the release on schedule, but we just it just flattened the tour, pushed it to the fall, and then pushed it to this fall. You know, I sort of went up and down over the course of the year because it, again, it's there's the sort of hidden blessing of, of, of being with your family and, and, and more than you would, you know, cause as a musician, the livelihood is on the road by and large. And this has been a kind of uh, a bit of a reset and a rethink of the way things work, but, uh, and a big pause really. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm still just trying to roll with it and not get too uh, fixated on the way things are going to roll out or happen. And because I, obviously we're all sort of in this, uh, waiting game of not quite knowing how things are shaken down. And so it's just required a, a constant shimmy to keep your, keep myself in balance. That's really what I've been trying to do. And I haven't been in balance all year. There's times where I get pretty low and then, you know, you spend a week kind of being well with me and then mind yourself how lucky you are. At least that's what I do, you know, because there's a lot, it's, it's, I'm, I'm in a pretty privileged situation really by and large when you consider what's happening and in, and in, and in parts of the community that's close to home as well. People, it's not an easy go. And when you think of healthcare workers and people working in grocery stores at the front lines are just making the world work. Yeah. And how, and in Halifax too, right now, and you're in a very different situation than, you know, than the rest of, than the rest of the Maritimes and in terms of the level of lockdown, is it, it discouraging given that places have opened up and then closed down again? So it really feels like we're in that kind of back and forth. Um, do you, do you feel optimistic? Yeah, I mean, by and large, I'm, I'm I'm a pretty optimistic person. Like, I don't I I, I try to uh, to like lean into where the good things are happening. Um, I mean, I'm hopeful that enough people will get vaccinated and these vaccines will hold and and will and will get will kind of get across it. I'm certainly worried. I'm, you know, my heart breaks for what's going on around the world. I mean, when you look at what's happening in India, it's just it's 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 intense, you know. And um, but I also it's a rethink on so many levels about how uh, we move through the world and how fortunate I have been able to move through the world fairly freely doing this thing of playing music, going and playing shows and connecting. And I really do look forward to doing that again. But I think this after on the other side of this pandemic, I'm going to, and I heard David say a similar thing a few weeks ago or a few months ago when he spoke to you, but is that, you know, may not do it quite in the same intensity or the same way um, because there's a lot, I'm, I mean, the online world doesn't replace the live experience for me. I, I mean, you know, staring at a screen for a year has been hard on the brain. And I think there's going to be some social repercussions of the way people communicate. I sometimes wonder if if there's going to be this thing when you see people. I was wondering, it's funny, I had this thought, like, when you when we see people now out in the world, are we going to not be looking like directly into their eyes because we're like looking at screens and often there's that little picture of ourselves in the corner. Like, are we looking in the corner of their eye where we can see our reflection, you know, because we've been on zoom so much, right. Or, or whatever, you know, it's just strange uh, kind of, and, and it's almost, there's almost something quite metaphoric about it. Like we're, 
in this internet world looking out to try and connect, yet we sort of, it forces this self-reflection upon us because what we get is often an image of ourselves coming back on FaceTime or whatever, yeah. you know? And so uh, um, that that is kind of what the year has been, has been this mix of trying to figure out what to do uh, in the absence of being able to, of, of what I, to do what I had done previously without uh, a lot of obstacles in the way. And that was tour and make music. Um, so there's that, but also how to participate in the world, how to, how to help where you can, and then also how to just sort of <laughs> spend some time in the interior journey trying to figure out, okay, yeah, where do I fit into all this? Cause I think it's, there's some, there's, I think people have, what's interesting, I think it's pushed people into a more philosophical frame of mind, this pandemic. It's maybe, maybe people thinking in terms, I don't know, I could be wrong, but uh, at least that's what it's done for me. Yeah, we've all almost kind of kind of gone into this kind of like shy retreat, uh, all of us in, inside our own homes and our communities. I uh, spent the last few days at, at home with my ten uh, year old daughter because she had to get a had a cold and she had to get a test, and so she had to stay home from school. And I I stayed home with her and worked from home, and it almost made us feel kind of nostalgic for those kind of early days of the pandemic when all four of us were kind of locked away. Um, in the house. And, and, and as uh, you know, as we've said, we've kind of like gone through stages of opening back up again, and we can start seeing people and going to restaurants. And then again, you know, we go back into lockdown. And, and so it's, it's socially, it's been difficult for us, right? It, it, one of the things you said made me think of um, a guy put a post on uh, a Twitter, I think a few days ago, just a, a, a post from a guy in St. John, who had some, said something like, um, you know, he was in a grocery store and he found himself in a conversation with uh, a stranger, uh, just another guy in line. And, and his his uh, reflection was, I, I felt like I was on a date. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's these small moments where you're like, where you have this, where you, where you get into a chat or something and, it, and, and you sort of forget that you're in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, I would say the most tiresome thing, well, there's a lot of tiresome things about this pandemic, but one of the ones that I've noticed is just, I mean, it's, it's been the focus of so much conversation, right? Uh, where previously, you, you know, you'd get on the phone with friends and, or, get, or get together in person and talk about whatever, music, the things you love, art, all these things. And I mean, that's still going on, but it always, it always comes back to the limitations of this pandemic or how you doing or, you know, oh yeah, have you seen the case count today? Like it, it's so much of it circles back to this predicament and, um, and for good, obvious reasons, but I sometimes go, boy, you know, yeah. It, it, and and I, I mean, I'm as guilty as anyone. It's not like I'm changing the topic and I'm, it, it is certainly on everyone's mind, but it is, it'll be interesting to see when, but you know, when, when that, when, when, when that's no longer the focus of conversation, then we have to sort of go back to other things and what, where, where we go with that's going to be kind of neat because we're going to have perspective that we've gained from this time in isolation and in lockdown and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me think we're going to, we're going to lose that. We might lose that ability for just conversation about normal things. Um, I was, uh, a group of guys that I've had a book club for about 20 years. It's kind of off and on cause we're a group of guys. So, you know, we've been disorganized. So it'd be a couple sure. of years ago by we haven't had a book club meeting. Yeah. Um, but we kind of reconstituted it. And one of the guys actually teaches at Dalhousie in Halifax. So okay. here's the thing about Zoom is we can pull these guys back into this book club who have moved sure. to Halifax or, you know, moved to Fredericton. And uh, 
so to find ourselves just having this ordinary conversation about movies and books. Um, but the thing about Zoom, though, is that you've got about an hour, right, Max? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that social time between yeah. people is hard to sustain. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it kind of, uh, and there's a sort of, there's, you can't talk over each other on Zoom. Whereas when you're in a room, you know, you know, you can't, you, 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 you sort of have to give everyone their space, which is not a bad etiquette to learn. I'm, I'm pretty bad for talking over people. I, I can jabber on, but, um, but, but I mean, you know, when you're in a room with people, you can have several conversations happening that's limited in the Zoom universe. Uh, so it's a different sort of, it, 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 and, and yeah, and you hit a point where you just get saturated by the screen and you start to, I, what I found is it just makes me start to feel more, uh, I guess self-conscious or self-aware. Um, that's not always bad, but it's different. Like I do find this, the interaction over, over the internet um, to just be, it's, 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 it's weird. I'm just conscious of being by myself in a room. So it's almost like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm focusing. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. It just, it's just, a, it's psychologically a different thing, right? It's just, when you see someone, um, and, and, uh, and you can, and you read body language, you know, and, 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 and the space that you're in and you're actually sharing physical space, it is different. It's different. When you're in close proximity to someone, you're having a chat, you're reading their eyes and you can do that over zoom to some degree, but even just being in the physical presence of somebody in their body language. I read this interesting book called the master and his emissary about the difference left and the left and right side of the hemisphere and stuff. It's great. Put it in the book club. It's endless conversation around that book. I'll join. Uh, but the, but the, but the, the, there was a point, there was a thing in it where he said that the left side of the brain, which is very much focused on language and categorization, abstraction, r- reads the mouth lips, you know, focuses on, on, on the lips. And then the right side of the brain, which is the big picture, intuitive, kind of holistic or well, maybe that's the wrong word, but you know, the intuitive right side reads the eyes and that's how you, where you tell if somebody's lying or not, those kinds of things. And I thought maybe this masked universe that we're in is going to heighten our intuition in terms of reading people's eyes, you know, and we'll, we'll get a little further away from uh, the constant need to articulate everything perfectly. And we'll form a kind of communication with our eyes that, um, uh, kind of advances the the dialogue through subtle gesture in a way that might actually be welcome in a world uh, so hemmed in by language in many respects now. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And so I've been, you know, those, these are the kinds of thoughts that have come to me in this uh, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully we will be able to get in front of each other's, you know, faces for real again sometime, sometime soon because it's just... Uh, I, I think also part of it with Zoom too is you, it's other, and it's all the other video platforms. You can see yourself. That's it. I mean, right now I'm talking to you. We're recording this, seeing each other, you know, right. this audio, and I have this little version of me over in the corner. So I look at you, but I'm drawn back to this corner. I could probably figure out some way to get rid of it, but often I'm just too lazy to do that. Yeah. It's bizarre. Thinking about kind of, um, you know, uh, being together again and, and, you know, uh, sharing music and spending time together it i'm really curious to, to get some of your thoughts about you know what you're missing about performing live and connecting with people because I, I i was when i was sort of thinking about this interview i thought back to uh you know the early 2000s when i first became familiar with your your music 
uh, and and he used to travel a lot uh, to St. John. You did a lot of shows here, and so I I've, I've seen you in in shows in like a little cafe in Rosse outside St. John that yeah. seats like Sessions. thirty people. Sessions. Sessions. Yeah, you remember, remember the name? Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was in a strip mall by a Sobeys. Yep. yep. And it's been since torn down. Has it really? Okay. Yeah, that building's gone. Um, but you know, like I remember those shows. Uh, you know that I would have seen you, you there. You, you you played in an Italian restaurant uptown. I remember being full of like I think it was Il Fornello. It's called at the time. It was it's called Tandy now. I saw you with uh, the hip when you did that tour in Harbor Station. Uh, seen you at Imperial Theater. So as you can tell, I'm a fan, and uh, that's my fan moment. <laughs> That's a thumbs up. I, I just, you know, I did, <laughs> we'll translate over the radio. Yeah. And, but what it made me, you know, what it made me think about then is how much, you know, and I know this has been true of a lot of your fans, but true for you, how much I connected with your music through those live performances in those early days. Um, you know, and having seen you last when, when you performed with the Imperial with your father uh, a few years ago, um, are you, are you, are you, how much you're missing that? sort of ties in strangely to what, what we were just talking about, which is sort of, you know, what I miss about it is there's the connection with the audience. So there's the back and forth and there's this exchange of energy that, you know, you go out, you put it, you set up, play, you know, so we sound check, send some energy out into the crowd and it comes back to us often exponentially, you know, if we're doing a good job, we hear it and it, and it cycles and the thing builds over the course of the show. And by the end, you've got like, you got a proper fireball, you know, like it's, it's, it's glowing, you know, the, the, the show, the show crescendos and it's a great feeling. And it's, it's sort of, uh, it has this great form of like reciprocation that, that is really uh, intangible and it's impossible to generate it. Not imp- I don't know. Maybe it's possible to generate it over the internet. It goes out into the world, but it doesn't feel the same as a performer because you're just, you're, you're, you're lost uh, in your head because you know you, you don't you're not hearing it. So much of it's an auditory to feel, and and it's the temperature of the room. It's all these things like these hot clubs that you go set up and everything and it builds, right? You know, I love playing and singing and 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 having that exchange with the audience. But part of the way that we perform, and I think is part of what I think has made an aspect of our live shows fun. There's an improvisational element with the emergency plays for sure, and even when I'm playing solo, I'm kind of winging it. Um, but also I'm kind of, I'm a, I'm a talker. I'm kind of a verbal person, but when I'm playing that's there, but there's a physicality that comes with it. it. I can gesture using my hands and I can awkwardly dance with my feet and, and my guitar often and my feet sort of lead the way. And I play guitar. I sort of joke that I play guitar with my feet when I'm playing electric guitar. Cause if I move a certain way, I'll start to bend the strings in a certain way as a gesture of what's coming from the music and the beat. And so there's this kind of, dance that happens in the performance uh, and I, that's what i love about playing and playing rock with the guys it's just this like it's just moving and dancing and that to me is this thing that i'm like i don't have in my life right now because it only comes from that breeze that blows through the room when you start pushing air around um with music and, vo- and volume <laughs> and uh and what i love about that is it even if I'm singing and it's got words and all that stuff, it kind of gets me away from that into something that's physical. And I feel like I'm playing sports because I've never been an athletic person. But if, like, it's like I feel like I'm dancing. I'm getting exercise. And um, 
and I'm, and it becomes gestural, which to me really goes back to like the foundations of what movement and music can do in a nonverbal way. Um, even though I love language and I love songs that mean something and all that, you know. So I miss that as well as the audience and that connection that I can have and and the conversations that happen with friends that I run into from town to town after the show, we're hanging out, catching up. Like there's a whole world that, and, 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 and um, form that surrounds uh, a day on the road. You get up, you roll kind of in silence in the vehicle. We don't talk a whole lot. We kind of have our breakfast, you know, get rolling, sit in silence in the car. Don't listen to music because we've been, we're going to have plenty of it. We're all kind of in our own little worlds. We set up sound check. Maybe we're a little grouchy. We figure things out, you know, then we go have a good meal. You know, often I go to the hotel or wherever, chill out for half an hour, write a set list an hour, and then go to the show, look, peek out the curtain, see who's in the crowd, get a little, maybe tweak the set list a little more going out. It's going to be that kind of night. And then we're off to the races. And then, you know, you wind up in a pub at the end of the night, uh, in a, in a good conversation with somebody that you only get to see every so often when you drop into town. And, and that to me is like really valuable, but you know, that you do too much of that. It's at the expense of your family life. So this is the rebalancing year for musicians to go, Hey, don't get too into the road <laughs> or we'll take it away from you. <laughs> It's funny because uh, I had a similar conversation with like, you know, the CEO of a, a, a drilling um, corporation, like the uh, company that, you know, and so he's on the road all the time yeah. with a mining business. But it's interesting how it's it's the same thing, right? You're a musician, you're an executive. It's the same kind of lifestyle, right? Well, I mean, the thing is, is we, we define ourselves very often by work or what we do. And that's certainly, and, but, but like, that's because, you know, I do like it, it. I mean, I'm lucky enough, I guess, to get a lot of joy in what I consider it work. And so therefore it feels somewhat like play. And so it's, it's, it's a, it's a mix of both of those things. And, and so much of it is, it's also, you know, when you're, there's always that degree of like, when you're going somewhere, you're putting on a show or you're trying to figure something out, you got a room, you got like a sound issue in the room, trying to address something, you know, there's a degree of problem solving in any gig right? Whether, whether, no matter what you're doing, you're still always figuring out how to make something better, how to communicate something better to someone. Oh, that worked last night. It's not going to work in this situation. Like every day, your job, whatever that job can be, can be faced with some slight situation that allows you to problem solve. And that gets the mind going. And that's, it's good for the mind. You know, it's good for us as human beings to, to, to tackle things and learn from them. And so, when that thing you do where you used to go tackle things kind of gets put on hold, it does present a, a bit of a, an existential moment of like, who am I? What do I, what do I do now? You know, and I've certainly felt that a number of times over the year, but uh, it's okay. Looking forward with how business and your, your music is, is going to evolve and develop over the next few years. Do you see touring if things open up? becoming a big part of, of your business and your music again? Like, how are you looking at the future of touring? Well, I mean, if, if touring opens back up is safe and, um, and people still want to go out, like if people feel safe enough to want to go and congregate and it is safe to go and congregate, I certainly like, I'm going to look forward to, to that part of my life again. I don't know 
the intensity of it, like how hard you, but I mean, you know, like, like, I mean, it's also getting older too. Right. So this is, I'm, I'm 46 now. And so I've spent, I've been a touring musician since I was 19, since I graduated high school. This year is the longest I've ever been off the road, you know? And so, um, when I go back to it, I, I don't, I don't know if the pace, I mean, I'm out of shape, you know, like I'm out of touring shape. And so it would take a while to kind of get back to that. And, um, and of course, you know, so you pick your battles, but I was picking my battles even before this, but yeah, I definitely want to get back and play for people. There's no denying that. I, I look forward to it partly because that's sort of where, when you have a new piece of music or something, it, once you release something or record something, that's one version of the song. But when it goes out and gets performed, it changes and takes on a new meaning because that's the, or, and it just, it just, it just no longer yours in the sense that you're holding on to it, to release into the world. It's out there and, and these varying performances of it continue to inform it. Sometimes words change over the course of a year or two around a song, little subtle changes. that I'm like, I would have said that differently now. That's better. Okay. You know, and so you, you know, that's the sort of evolution of it, which really only comes from going and engaging the world on some level. It must've been really jarring then when you, you couldn't go tour last spring, right? Yeah, it was pretty, yeah, it was was a bit surreal. Yeah, we were, we, we were rehearsing, rehearsing, like we would, we would, we had got the kind of show just starting to really come together because there was a lot of new material from 44 and it was uh, Dave, my drummer in the emergency, Chris and Mo Kenny who joined us on that tour and the four of us were playing and figuring all this stuff out and, and then it was like, whoa, whoa, this is unsafe and everything just went geared down and, uh, and, and, I mean, and that that was that you know we did a canada day show last year pre- uh, recorded um and it was broadcast on canada it was a pre-recorded thing at the citadel distanced in the on the grounds of in the citadel in halifax and they broadcast it on canada day and that was a load of fun you know and a way to kind of play a bunch of the tunes from 44 but that's the only gig that we've done and I've and and if I'm to be honest, even with the band, we've we've just got we've only seen each other in tiny little visits here and there. We haven't gotten together and played because there hasn't been, you know. I get I don't know. I'm, I'm very much like it, it's hard. I, I I'm kind of things on the calendar keep me moving. That's always been the way I'd be. I'll be I'll sit really idly and I'll I'll just sit and write. I do. I, I'm always writing stuff and I'll go and I'll record things on my own or I'll chip away at things. But it's when I have a destination in mind. We've got a tour. There's something to do. Let's put a session. Like there's a there's there's momentum and structure put to things. That's what keeps me in check because I've not had the discipline of uh, I've been you know I've been following my own nose to some degree since I graduated high school in this land of music, which has been a really a very lucky, fortunate thing. But it's also been essentially what's provided the structure is like, well, there's something to do. There's an opportunity. Somebody wants me somewhere to play. Let's, let's make this happen. <laughs> Take that away. Like the pandemic did. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not great at just treading water. I'm like, I'm just getting out of the pool. You just, so. just want to, you just want to get on, get on the road just to start playing live. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah. If I, mm-hmm. if I, if I'm going to get in the pool, I want to swim. I don't want to tread water, you know? So, so I've been reading a lot and I've been, uh, and I've been, catching up with people on the phone and this and that. And I've been writing songs, but I've just been like, and, and I started a Patreon campaign 
which keeps me doing a few things every month at the studio. Right now with this particular lockdown, I'm not really able to go. But last month I went in there with Mo Kenny and we did three songs, a song of each other's and a cover song together. And that's on a Patreon subscription. I uh, think I call it the window in. And uh, and it's just a way for people to subscribe for $8 a month. And I send out little things every so often. And it's been a really nice way to connect with some of my fans and, and do something in a kind of small curated way that allows me to still feel active. And I'm very much appreciative of the support that people have been giving me there, uh, giving me there because it's like there's the livelihood primarily is on the road. Mark. And so it's just, you know, that's just not there right now. So it's a bit of an adjustment for musicians for sure. Hopefully things can kind of return to normal. Cause I, I, uh, went to see David Miles perform. And how was that? How was, how was David's show? It was amazing. I'm sure uh, he, <laughs> I thought he was going to come out of his shoes. He seemed so excited yeah, uh, to just, well, that's, that's his personality anyway. It is, but it's, I, I can imagine it being pretty joyful to just be performing again. So. Yeah, no, it, it, it was, it was a great show. And of course, you know, everything's socially distanced. It wasn't, it would have been a full auditorium. It wasn't because it couldn't be right. Of course, yeah. And but it felt, uh, I got to say, it felt, it felt normal. Like cool. it, it was the first show I had seen myself since the pandemic. It was either David's first in a while or, or one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he had that excitement of being back on stage. Um, but the show was great. But it was, what, I, what really struck me is how normal it felt. That's great. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's not like, human beings haven't been through a pandemic before. It's just a hundred years in the rear view mirror and everything is a different world on some level, but you know, this kind of, uh, there's been massive, uh, adjustments in over the years and, and things come roaring back sometimes. Right. And I mean, I think music is one of those intangible, uh, forms of social, like it's a threading weave weaving, uh, piece of the social fabric that I don't think you can really take it away. Um, you can make it hard, (laughs) you know, but, uh, but I, I I do hope that, you know, when, yeah, when it's, when it's really safe that, that people are going to be excited to come out to shows again. I I, I remain hopeful of that. I mean, I'm not gonna, and again, like, there's not much I can do to change however things go. So in the meantime, you know, uh, I think it's just, uh, we do what we can, and uh, and every little step in a in, the, in a direction is 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 at least movement because everything else is just crystallizing, right? You just don't want to stay still. Like that's when that's it, it. So even just having little maneuvers to keep your mind or your body or your musical thing happening. That's why the Patreon thing's been good because despite it not being on the stage, it still feels like it's it's keeping me from uh, becoming too sedentary. Right. How, I mean, obviously being, being grounded like this has greatly impacted your business, but how active are you still able to be? Like, are, are, are you writing for, you know, a new album? Are you? Well, yeah, I mean, I I mean, it's funny because, you know, the 44 came, 44 came out in April, 2020 and we were about to tour it. Now it's just being pushed. The tour is being pushed and pushed. And so when we finally get on the road behind it, it, will be, you know, what, I don't know, two years old or something. And so whether or not maybe I get something new together uh, to, so it becomes 44 and more, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've got some other material coming together. I mean, I'm always writing, but it's also an interesting time. I've talked to friends who are songwriters and I'm sometimes sending songs to friends, bouncing things back and forth. You know. 
you can always find, I can usually find something to write about and I have, but it previous to this pandemic, I would travel and I would reflect on home and I would write my home songs from a traveler's perspective. And then I would get home and I would think about where I'd been and I'd write my traveling songs from a home perspective or something to that effect, you know? And so there was this back and forth that could kind of continue and be constantly cycling because that was the way my life was operating. So that half of that coin, I can't flip the coin like I was doing then. And so now I'm like, okay, so it's just, uh, it's just heads today. Heads, heads. <laughs> okay, cool. You know, so, so like, so some days you can, you can stare at the head side of the coin and go, I got something to write about. Other days you're like, man, it's just, I don't want to look at the face anymore, you know? Uh, so, you, you know, and you don't, and so you don't have anything to say, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's as close as I can come to sort of addressing your question in a roundabout. Right. So it just totally disrupts the creative process. Yeah. Or it, it shimmies it sideways so that you have to find other places to, and so, you know, I'm again, like, I just, uh, uh, Try not to be too precious about it because nothing feels that urgent, right? Other than the things that are immensely urgent in a pandemic, which are the things that are important to keeping society afloat and keeping people safe. Um, uh, but but in my world right now, as far as music goes, you know, I mean, I think there's people out there wanting arts and entertainment. I feel like there's probably people want music is as valuable to the the mental health of, 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 of society on some level as so many other things. Um, so, I mean, there's a reason to create things, but the way it's delivered right now isn't for me the most romantic way to go about it because it is through devices. It is, it is mediated by technology. And I mean, look, the radio broadcast music, that's a form of technology. It's not like, you know, we plug into a PA. You know, you're always using something to get your message across. Um, but the hyper curated, um, static, not static, but sort of fixed algorithmic world of social media and the internet for delivering things just means that that sort of random thing that sends you a little sideways when you heard a song when you would least expect it just doesn't feel like it happens the same way. Now that's not to say that your playlist couldn't surprise you with some random thing and go, wow, I'm listening to my iTunes and it just blew my mind with the synchronicity of this song hitting me at the moment when I need it. Yeah. You know, like granted that's there just again, it's that thing about being in a room, seeing people going, okay, if I move this way, People are going to look that way, right? And like knowing that you can do that gesturally is really, uh, that is a, uh, like that's sort of where the, liber the liberation in the performance is or something. And then so you take that into the online world and you move sideways and somebody looks and checks their phone, you know? <laughs> if you leave the screen, you know what I mean? They, they, they go, oh, he's not there anymore. You know, so like that, that just to me, that, 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 that is, that sort of, it hems you in. So, yeah. yeah. And the fan experience wouldn't, wouldn't be, you know, it's just flipped the other way. Right. Because so many people would connect with you or other, other artists through those live shows. And, and then they, they take those, those memories and they take that, that immediacy That's right. 
to to listening to listening to the music through through iTunes. Right? Exactly, and to your point, right there is what part of what is the beauty of both making records for me, um, and that I'm, like wherever I would go to do that, and with whoever's involved. There's the memory of making that music in the room. And then there's the memory of going and playing shows. And then there's the memory of what happened that day around the show before or after it that made that show different than the day before. And so there's all, and then there's, so you've got your own personal memories attached to those moments and everyone has their, their own version of that day. And then sometimes when the band goes, remember that? And it goes, yeah, but do you remember that? I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. And then you build the picture through this, like, you know, through store through through this like you know back and forth like a studs turkle oral history you know and and you go back and forth and and so you have that as 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 a band or as a performer and then everyone in the audience has that has their version of the night where they went out and saw the show and they went to the restaurant or they oh my gosh you know johnny drank too much and he started saying crazy stuff you know so like that all of that it just the internet doesn't lend itself to that experience in the same way it just doesn't and nor should it and i think we need to remember that when our life when we've been drawn into this world of technology because of this pandemic we're all relying on it and it's been in many respects really important to keep people connected as we're connected right now Todd. so there's some pluses to it but i think it's really important that we don't that doesn't just become sort of like the go-to in the wake of this. I worry my, one of my biggest worries on the other side of this pandemic, which we're not there yet, is that our reliance on this as a form of communication and the idea that I can get what I need from my phone or from here. And this is the way I'm going to communicate from now on makes me really like, I do think that that, that, that could be a, a dangerous place to reside. It has, it certainly has a lot of shortcomings. And so I think a lot of people feel that way, but I think it's going to take work to actively push back against our habits that have been developed over the course of this year. It, it, totally. And I think too, I mean, it's, it's, it's true of, you know, of your business and performing for people and, and connecting with people. I think it's also true just in, in, an, in a, you know, in an everyday workplace, right? Cause there's been obviously a lot of conversation about Absolutely. remote work and, this technology changing the way in which we work together, right. Absolutely. And connect. Yeah. And I think, uh, it, in the early days, I think that with me, there was a feeling like, Oh, this is transformational. We're not going to work in offices together anymore. Right. Our, our downtowns are going to depopulate. Right. The deeper we get into this, the more I feel like, and, and that concert that I saw the other night was a real eye opener for me. I, I really feel like, cause I think, you know, the issues are connected there. Mm-hmm. I really Absolutely. feel like, the kind of conversation you and I are having right now over, you know, an online video platform um, is going to become part of what we do. Absolutely. Uh, but I think it's going to become a smaller part because I think once people return to being able to see people, each other face to face, we're going to realize that that's the way that we need to live most of the time. These, they, these kinds of conversations like you and I are having now will have a place in this. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think like part of the, the thing is is I, I feel like we we live in a time where there's such an abundance of like um, information and and archiving of any given moment like this will be archived and on the internet and all that and 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 that's great like I mean it's been handy this year when I'm interested in something or someone I can go down the wormhole and like read about them and 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 listen to interviews or do whatever right and I'm sure a lot of people have been 
like like kind of like focusing their interests in interesting corners that like where the internet allows you kind of access. It's like a library at your fingertips. But that said, I'm a big fan of the, like I, I place a lot of importance or a lot of weight on the ephemeral as well. Like the moment in time that, you know, you write something on a piece of paper and then like it, it, it burns up at the end of the night. And you got to remember what was written on it, you know? And of course your memory is going to get, is going to, is going to change and you're going to be incorrect. Like the beautiful thing about memory, <laughs> I think is that it, it does fail in some, in some quarters and changes over time. Your memory of any given moment kind of changes depending on your headspace and the older you get. So you have these touchstone things. You might tell a story that changes a little bit. You might have, and it's of course, like at a certain point, it's probably way off from what the actual experience of, of, the, of what, what the truth of the, of, of the moment was. And to me, that is actually kind of the magic of, 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 of humanity on some level is, is this, is where the stories are and what they mean to everybody. And the fact that things change because nothing is supposed to remain fixed, even an event that was like that, that changes the world kind of has these repercussions and changes means different things and, and changes through time. And so I don't know, I just, that is why we get together, right? That is sort of because those memories, those collective memories, don't need to be fixed and held on the internet in a certain way. They're 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 doing something um, else, which is like informing our 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 interior world. Uh, so I'm anyway. That's I get, I'm getting a little like maybe a little philosophical here, but you know I guess this is what the this is where it leads. <laughs> no, totally, totally. It may, it makes me think. Um... You know, I, I hopefully we'll get it. We'll get to chat uh, at on the uh, on the other end when when things are are opened up again. Because uh, I I hate taking the conversation and you know you know in the na- those negative directions where we don't have this right now. We don't have that. Absolutely, but, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, good point. But it strikes me that um, you know, and I'd be a similar personality, right? You're very, you're you're very uh, social person. You're creatively fed by your contact with other people, and in in you also you and you have your own musical career, but you also, you know, run a studio and, and you have a cafe. Um, and I know there's obviously the business side of that in terms of how you're weathering that. Uh, and then there's the social side, I'm sure. Cause I'm sure you, you drop into the cafe and connect with people, have a coffee. Uh, how on the, on the, on the business side of that, like how, how are you weathering things in terms of, you know, managing the slowdowns? Cause you, you, you know, you have the cafe, you have the studio, um, you have your own touring career and your own producing career. Yeah. I mean, I think I've, where, where I've been fortunate is the fact that I sort of, there's a bit of, there's a number of aspects to what I have been involved with, which is, you know, the live touring and there's all these, there's these different elements to, um, the business side of what I do. And so they're all kind of connected in some way, but they all have their own challenges and independent uh, worlds that kind of hold them together. And so uh, I've been lucky in that regard because it's meant that like all my eggs aren't in any one basket. And so I, uh, it's, it's challenging for sure. Um, but I'm also, I think I feel like I'm in a pretty fortunate place. Um, probably cause we, you know, we dug in here in downtown Dartmouth a number of years ago. It's, you know, People know the cafe, the studio actually through last year, you know, in the summer of last year, because musicians weren't on the road and nobody could really gig. 
the studio was actually getting bookings because people needed wanted to go work on music. People were just in. and so and I did some live stream stuff from the studio. It got you Jimmy Rankin rented it for a lot, you know, went and shot a live stream there. People have come and used the studio for varying things. And so it has done okay. This month right now with the lockdown, we're just, you know, there's nobody we we just canceled all the bookings. Postponed them. So it's a drag. There are there's have been months where it's been like Oh boy. Okay. Right. All right. Well, there's a loss. There's no, there's a loss that's not coming back. Um, but again, like that is just, um, that is what it is. And, and, and everybody involved, uh, with, with these aspects of my business, we're, we're all managing to hang on. And so in that respect, we're all pretty fortunate and there's a nice sense of community that I have with, you know, I feel connected to the downtown Dartmouth community and people know each other and are really supporting each other. And, so I uh, I look at all that as as in a, in, a, in as optimistic a way as possible, and uh, different things are going to come back. Hopefully, the cafe will be up and running soon when the lockdown ends, and the studio can get back to work. The live shows maybe still a ways off, you know. But if we get together and make music in the studio, then that's a way of at least keeping the boredom at bay, and uh, and being able to stay creative with like documenting things. And so yeah, onwards, upwards, all these things. Like I can't let you go without you know asking you a little bit about Halifax and Dartmouth and and uh, your your sense of you know how things are developing there and 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 growing and I know you know we don't really know what's going to happen uh, coming out of out of the pandemic but you know Halifax is 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 a growing city um, you know pushing outwards growing up how do, how do you see the city developing over the last 20, 20 years or so Well, I mean, I the challenge of like of getting older, the memory serves a big role in my, uh, in, 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 for me as a songwriter, but also just, I'm kind of, I'm in, I can be a nostalgic person and, uh, seen a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of development in Halifax, which has brought down a lot of old buildings that I kind of, I loved, you know? And so I, I, I have some misgivings about certain, aspects of the development that have like kind of leveled some of these cool old funky Victorian apartment buildings that had these, that, that I had personal memories in, you know? Uh, and so when those buildings are gone, that becomes an interior world because you can no longer go look at that and, or go walk into the building and be reminded of what it was like. And so, you know, that, and, and I think one of, that's probably the nature of getting older, particularly in a city for anybody who's been in a place for a long time it changes. And that is the nature of the evolution of a place. So, uh, you know, you kind of have to come to terms with that, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily always happy about every aspect of that. But Halifax is also growing and becoming like a, a far more uh, diverse and international city in many respects. And that's really exciting to see. Like I, But I'm in Dartmouth more, which still has a bit of the small town feel. So when I go to Halifax, I go, well, like I don't recognize the neighborhoods as much and it's just, and there's, there's just, it's just a, I'm, I'm older. So there's a lot of young people walking the streets that I don't, you know, it used to be when you're younger, you felt like you kind of walked down the street and you sort of, you kind of knew everybody because you were hanging out in those neighborhoods all the time and you just were so familiar. Now I kind of go over and I feel like I'm visiting Halifax. I'm not from Halifax. Downtown Dartmouth is more familiar to me um, because, you know, the, the, the bridge does sort of, and particularly in this pandemic year, keeps you from traveling much, you know? So uh, I, I'm, a, I'm really attached to this place um, because – and Nova Scotia, I've spent my whole life here. I grew up in Lunenburg. The difference, I guess, what's interesting in Lunenburg being a World Heritage Site is 
all these buildings are protected by the heritage conservation. And I walk down the street in Lunenburg now, um, and it used to be an active fishing town, and now it's sort of more like a tour. It's based on tourism and stuff, so it's changed considerably. But there's all these places that I go. I I played. I, I was in that house. Oh, that house is still painted the same color. You know, it's kind of frozen in time. Like my childhood up till the age of twelve is like is like fixed, and I can visit it visually uh, in in the material world that we live in. Halifax, more and more, I have to go. I got to go into my mind and conjure it. Um, and so, you know, that's just, uh, they're just, it's just different, you know, uh, but I can kind of compare the two uh, in, in, in some ways because they're there and they're only an hour down the road from each other. So. Yeah. With, and with, um, you know, comparing, comparing it to St. John, we, uh, because development came a bit slower here, um, we rode out, and now again, there have been, you know, and you know, I've talked about this, there, you know, there have been periods in the city's history where they where they tear, tore down a lot um, for highways and interchanges. And, uh, but over the last 20 years or so, uh, develop ha- development happened a little bit slower. So we ended up, um, and then we hit this period where preservation became a really important thing, uh, even with new, new businesses and, and new builds. Uh, so a lot is still a lot is still there that was standing, you know, a century and a half ago. We still have some history uh, here too. It's not all gone either. It's just, you know, it's hard when certain buildings go and you're like, no, I know, <laughs> you know, yeah. But the, the problem we more have here is they, we've hit this point in, in St. John where they, you let buildings stand empty for so mm-hmm. long. It was actually too late to save them. Well, and sometimes that's done deliberately by people who want to develop those places, you know, and that kind of breaks my heart when that sort of happens or is able to happen. One of the things I saw a guy years ago, I think his name's Jan Gell. He, he was a, he's an architect or a city planner from Copenhagen. He came to Halifax and spoke. Somebody was asking him about development in Halifax. And he sort of said, you know, he made two points that I think are really, were really good. And I've, I've, I've relayed this a few times when talking about this, but he said, you know, living in Copenhagen, we're, we're a Northern city, not dissimilar to Halifax. You know, the climate is cold for much of the year. And he said, you know, when people talk about climate, they talk about uh, the weather and what have you. But two of the things that affect climate greatly are light and wind. And when you build high buildings, you create wind and you reduce light. And And he also said, you know, since the 60s, every major city's had a traffic department, but they don't have a pedestrian department and they don't take take into account the experience of somebody walking on the ground. And so the climate gets greatly affected by certain scale of development and European cities, some of them have developed on say a five to seven story range where you build population density downtown because you want people living downtown. It's better for the environment, you know, because less people travel and less, but you build it on five to seven stories by building in behind the old historic places and not going up into 20 foot story towers you get the density over multiple blocks with, 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 with lower builds that are still, that are still adding on. That speaks to me in the way that you can still retain the history with the sunlight, reduce the wind tunneling and all that stuff. And I haven't seen that at play in Halifax to my satisfaction. You know, I feel like a lot of what I see going up at Halifax are, are large buildings that are dramatically changing 
the feel of the streets and the light that hits the streets and the wind. There's some crazy windy spots based on with some of these buildings. The Maritime Mall at Spring Garden in Barrington, where they tore down the Capitol Theater in the 70s. I mean, I've seen people get just about blown sideways into the middle of Barrington Street because of that wind. I felt that, you know. So these kinds of things, like I just, I just, you know, I don't know that. I know that it makes more sense, you know, monetarily to be able to go up and just max it out. But I, I don't know. I just that I, I, I you don't want it to feel like Houston. <laughs> Not that I've spent much time in Houston. I was there once, played there in the nineties with the Hermit. But you know what I mean, like just a bunch of glass buildings and, um, you know, you'd mentioned that song of mine, "The Next Blue Sky." You know, before we rolled on that, but that has a bit of that. You know. The idea of like when you build everything with reflective glass, eventually all you're doing is reflecting yourself over and over again. It becomes a hall of mirrors of just, you know, at first it's like, oh, let's reflect the beautiful building across the street. Now let's tear down the beautiful building across the street and put another glass tower. And so now we just have reflections of each other and, you know, kind of becomes a it becomes sort of like a version of the Internet. When you were describing those more of low rise developments in European, it made me think of, you know, places like Prague and, and Budapest that have those blocks and blocks and blocks of, you know, gorgeous old, if I remember right, six, seven story buildings, that kind of development is more aligned in line of what, what's happening in, in St. John. Uh, there's some higher rise developments, but because it's a smaller city, smaller population, smaller in scale, things are happening more at those heights and I, i've been curious about halifax because you know we we uh, we actually have two reporters there now and they're actually in your neighborhood uh, it feels like the young younger people are yeah. locating in in dartmouth and, right? they're, and, they're, and you know that scale does exist here and there i'm not saying it doesn't mm-hmm. but not yeah. everything is an egregious uh like like massive tower you know by any stretch but it just uh i guess sort of where where, where you put it and how you honor the i mean i just how you keep you, 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 I think it is really important to remind ourselves that like the experience of being in a city is ultimately like the, the, the fundamental experience should be for the feeling of walking down a street because that is how you actually get to know a city is, is, is on foot. If you really want to get a feel for a place, you walk it, you don't just drive through it. You know, you don't just look at it from 20 stories high. That can be exciting on some level, I guess, but ultimately the real action is down on the ground where you get a feel for things. And even, even when you think about like a five or a seven story build, if you're up at five or seven stories, you still have a connection to what's happening on the ground. You can still see a friend and go, Hey, that's John walking down the street, you know? And, or you can yell and say, Hey, what's up? You know, like, like there's, there's sort of still some interaction that's, that's kind of conceivable. You get that further, further away from that. And, and it just, you're kind of leaving the planet, (laughs) you know? So, uh, I suppose that's, that's fine if you're Elon Musk, but I, I just, I'm just not, I'm, I'm interested in that, in that close quarters feeling of like being around people and, 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 and feeling the, the, the energy that comes from congregating in a place that has history. Like that's the other thing. You tear these places down. You don't get that history back. That feeling in an old, in in a place that's been, you know, had people living in it, moving through it, scuffing up the wood floors, all that stuff. You don't get that in a in a in a new build with drywall 
like it, it, and 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 often, like you said, it's funny. We're doubling back to the earlier part of the interview. He said that Sessions was in a strip mall by the Sobies, right? That gig I played in Rothsay, right? He yeah. said they tore it down. They tore down a strip mall. So we're now at the point. So case in point, you know, that would have been like, what did they tear down to put up the strip mall? It's probably something really well built. Now let's build a strip mall. Oh, and then whatever it is, 20 or 30 years later, it's like, well, tear that down. So it, it kind of speaks to the idea that, um, uh, you know, I'm not saying like everything can be held onto forever, uh, that, but, but I do feel like it's funny how disposable aspects of uh, our, our culture have, have become. So. Anyhow, yeah, but and, I'm, and, I know. but I remain an optimist. So and I'm and I'm I'm, I'm feel very lucky to be where I'm at, uh, by and large. But you know, you ask me about stuff like that. My dad's big on heritage conservation. So yeah, and so that's a thing where we go back and forth on that. And so I, I've sort of I kind of be kind of passionate about that. Um, but look, I also recognize that it takes a lot of different kinds of people to make the world go round, and I certainly don't know the answer to making a city. Yeah, no, totally. But it's funny because you, I mean, it, you, it, I mean, in a lot of ways, we when we're talking about city development right now, though it it also connects back to parts of our conversation about losing that intimacy through technology, right? Well, it's the same thing. And and as I watch Halifax more uh, develop from afar right now, I feel connected to it. I, I spent I was spent nine, ten years living in Halifax in my twenties, and so I'm very, very strong. And I've, affection for the city and strong connections to the city and having, um, you know, two reporters now in, in Dartmouth, I, I'm delighted to see the city develop through their eyes and their reporting. But one of the things that really has stood out and especially in the last little while is, you know, as Halifax grows, it, it faces a challenge in some ways that Moncton, Fredericton, St. John don't face, which is you have all these people coming in and the, te- the the densification that's happening, the temptation. I keep getting um, stories uh, thrown at me from from Halifax of you know, oh, here's another twenty story building uh, proposal going up. Well, and, and 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 yet there's people, and there's so many people who don't have an affordable place to live. So mm-hmm. like you know, like like there's all this development happening, but there's also there, the homelessness is increasing. The pandemic's really making certain things very acute, and so you have. You know, it's 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 one thing to 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 sort of develop and, and and keep pace with the with the people that are that are moving to the city and all this kind of stuff. But you have to do so in a way that um, continues to look out for the most vulnerable and make sure that the infrastructure is there to support the social infrastructure is there and is robust enough to support that you know so as people move here we got to make sure we got doctors we have to make sure that we have we have housing that that you know people are having a hard finding uh, finding a place to live i mean is 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 a real challenge for some people and so those kinds of things and so you really have to stay it, it it is interconnected i mean that's what's interesting about and that's what is fun about talking and thinking tangentially is and you know you mentioned heritage and 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 reporting and all these kinds of things. And if I bring it back to music, the interconnectedness of like moving through the world, a venue like Massey Hall in Toronto, this historic place everyone talks about, you can go play it. You know, we had the Capitol Theater that's gone in Halifax. So we had an opportunity to have something like that that we got rid of a long, long time ago. Whether or not we're lucky enough to build something in the future that could become historic in that way remains to be seen. I don't know. But 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 the the idea that there's these things that um uh are met you know we 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 we're so f- 
we're, we're fixated on the material world for good reason, because we need to make it, you know, as good and safe and as, uh, as, as possible. We also need to remember that our interior world, our memories, is part of what anchors us in the reality that we live in. And so when you change the, the, the physical space that we're in and it, and it can rapidly, it can affect our interior world. It's this reciprocal thing. And so this exchange between the interior and the exterior is, is ultimately all interconnected because, you know, one thing reminds you another of another in the way that a conversation goes down these winding roads. Uh, And so, you know, at the risk of rambling, like I'm just sort of saying this to kind of, I think, remind myself of how, um, everything is sort of kind of a version of the same talk topic. You can take the same ideas into whatever arena you're talking about and it, and it, and it all speaks to balance and finding it. And if something gets, and, and often you think, Oh, this is the way we're going to do it. And it works for a while. And then you realize it doesn't work that way anymore. It's getting out of balance. We need to change. And unfortunately society slow to recognize where those imbalances are happening and things get wildly out of whack. And so I do think it's sort of important for us to like remind ourselves that we don't always have to do things the same way or that it doesn't have to be a 20 story tower. It, you know, just because, you know, there's these kinds of things. And that's not to say that it shouldn't be a 20 story tower. Sometimes maybe that's part of the balance. You know, Uh, what I'm saying is it's uh, that sort of conversation is something you, you kind of, is, is more fun to hash out in the real world as opposed to on a screen. So maybe I'll leave it there because I can talk and talk and talk. If, if, unless you got any more questions for my, uh, my, my, my rattling brain here in the pandemic. <laughs> I, I do, but I, I will leave it there because I do, I do appreciate your time. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up on the other side of this. Um, I may, I may ha- hold you to that you know, offer to join the book club. We'll see uh, <laughs> yeah. if, if you're yeah. free. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let you know when we're meeting. Yeah. And you- all right. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> we'll, I'm slow we'll, on we'll books. Pick- I have like a pile of them beside my bed, all of them, <laughs> like, like some of them you get in like 10 pages and then, so I, I, I'm not great on a schedule, but you never know. If you only, if you only meet every five years, I might be good for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely. Well, it's, it's, it's so good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Mark, thanks a lot. You've been listening to the latest episode of Huddle Home Office. Thanks, Joel, for the great chat. Huddle Home Office is produced by me, Mark Legere, and Sharice Letson. You can subscribe to the show on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend us to a friend. Talk to you next week.